0: Thank you, Terry. Good evening, everybody. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Let's all stand as we open this service. Psalm 80 reads, Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have saved us, Lord, that you have redeemed us. We thank you for this place that you've given us, Lord, to worship you, to learn about you, God. And I pray that tonight we would all allow you to have your perfect way with each of our hearts, God. Humble us to meet with you, to worship you, to believe the words that we sing, and to hear the word that you've given Pastor Ed to preach this weekend, Lord God. May it be poured out upon every heart, Father. We thank you for this day. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you guys turn around and say hello to each other, and then we will worship.
1: He called dead the grave They were like mountains that stood in our way But He came, and He died, and He rose Most giants are dead now This is our God, this is who He is He loves us This is our God, this is what He does But I fear They took our breath away Faint so weak That we could barely pray But He heard Every word Every whisper Now those altars In the wilderness Tell the story Of His faithfulness Never once did he fell, and He never will This is our God, this is who He is He loves us This is our God, this is what He does He saves us He bore the cross, he beat the grave Let heaven and earth proclaim This is our God, King Jesus Who pulled me out of that pit? He did, he did. Who paid for all of our sins? Nobody but Jesus. Who rescued me from that grave?
2: Yahweh, Yahweh.
1: Who gets the glory and praise? our God. This is who He is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what He does. He saves us. He bore the cross and beat the grave. And heaven and earth proclaim, This is our God, King Jesus. He bore the cross. Okay.
3: Blessed assurance That Jesus is mine He's been my fourth man in the fire Time after time And born of His Spirit Washed in His blood in what He did for me on Calvary is more than enough. I trust in God, my Savior, the One who will never. I trust in God, my Savior. You're the one who will never fail. He will never fail. And I trust in God, the perfect submission all is at rest and i know the author of tomorrow has ordered my steps so this is my story and this is my song i'm praising my risen king and savior all the day long, we we'll sing together. I trust, and I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. And he will never fail, and I trust in God, my Savior you're the one who will never fail. You will never fail. I trust in God. I saw the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I saw the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I saw the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I saw the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I saw the Lord. And he heard and he answered.
1: I saw the Lord and he heard and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I saw the Lord and he heard and he answered. I saw the Lord and he heard and he answered. I saw the Lord and he heard and he answered. That's why I trust him why I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. I trust in And He heard and He answered That's
3: why I trust Him That's why I trust in God
1: shall lose me I will see
3: rise as we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord, our God, you reign forever, our hope, our strong deliverer, you are, you are the everlasting God, God, and you do not think you won't grow weary, and you the defender of the weak, and you comfort those in need, and you lift us up on wings like eagles. The strength will rise, the strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord, the strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord our God. You reign forever, our hope, our strong. You are the everlasting God The everlasting God And you do not faint, you won't grow weary You're the defender of the weak And you comfort those in need And you live up on wings like
0: evil. Amen. Let's take a moment tonight and welcome wherever he may be, Mr. Danny Donnelly.
4: Good evening to you. How's everybody doing? I haven't pulled out this song for a while. And uh, this is it's a song called Even a Man Like Me. It's about uh, walking, walking by faith. And uh, the Bible says that uh, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, uh, But all we need is a mustard seed of faith. And so the song is uh, in that world.
5: Walking by faith, and I can't see. I feel your love pouring over me, and it's there, it's everywhere. Precious one, I love Jesus. You speak to the waves, and the waves stop rolling. You speak to the wind, and the wind stops rolling. Why do I hesitate to call on you To pick up my cross and follow you Jesus I just look up in the starry sky There's oh so many, oh so bright And I know you're thinking of me All the sand upon the shore A billion, trillion, how can I ignore man like me. You see everything, everything. Even a man like me. You see everything. I'm running to win I'm running top speed I trip and fall But then you catch me Dust myself off Head for the prize I'm longing for the days Your eyes meet mine Jesus I just look up in the starry sky There's so oh so many Oh so bright And I know you're thinking of me sand upon the shore a billion trillion how can I ignore a love for all and even a man like me will you see everything every Every knee will bow, every tongue confess That you're the one True, the first and last Still wide, my panic almost flipped the boat And there your sweet dreaming eyes closed Jesus Oh, I just look up in the starry sky There's oh so many, oh so bright And I know you're thinking of me think of all the sand upon the shore a billion trillion how can I ignore a love for all and even a man I'm watching, waiting for my Savior, watching, waiting for Thee, I'm watching, waiting for my Savior for the day.
4: This is the last this is the last night for these guitar strings that have been on this guitar for a little bit too long. <laughs> This is called uh, You're, You Looked My Way. and uh, This song is basically just about how the Lord, the moment that I realized that that God was looking my way, I think of that song, uh, that song, uh, The Goodness of God. You know that song? The, uh, the Goodness of God, that worship song. And how it says, in the, the bridge of that song it says, your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. And I, just looking back in the past of just from being a kid all the way to um, to now, uh, how the Lord has uh, said, "Man, He's He really had my back on on so many in, in just so many areas of my life." And that the day I realized that 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 I could walk in, I can walk out of the house and not be just completely a wreck, um, anxious and uh, twisted up inside um, when I saw his word, and I thought, and, and heard his word, and, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word, we know that, and man, that was just my, in my story, that was such a huge part of it, and um, I'm glad we're all here tonight uh, to hear Pastor Ed open up the word, but um, but just to know that, that God sees you and loves you, and uh, he wants to do rad things in our lives, so may we just believe him for it, and so this is uh, about the that um, about the first line, it says, I remember when you looked at me, and uh, little did I know he was always looking uh, at me, and he's looking, he's looking at you too, he made us all, so this is called, uh, you looked my way.
5: I remember when you looked at me Nothing else mattered I remember when I looked at you My heart was shattered Oh, nothing mattered No, nothing Cause you looked my way You looked my way my way. You came from heaven above, no need for my ladder. The grace in your smile makes all worries scatter. Now nothing matters, my soul pitter-patters, no fear of disaster, cause you looked my way. My way, you looked my way. just flatter my heart's pumping faster i want to turn up that stratocaster man nothing matters
4: God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. Who is it? Hi, my name is Daniel. I'm with the Packing House Christian Fellowship. We're doing a program where we give the free Jesus video DVD to everyone in presence. Here's
0: yours. Thank you. Go. God bless you. My favorite color is light tan.
6: Mi color favorito es bronzadio suave.
0: My favorite animal is puppies.
6: Mi animal favorito son peritos.
0: And I love to serve the Lord in hiking and playing volleyball. Me gusta servir el señor y senderísimo y jugar volleyball. By the way, those are all my favorite things, too. And if you'd like to serve in the Spanish Translation Ministry, contact me or the front desk upstairs. Thank you guys so much for the food donations. This is your last weekend to donate food for the Thanksgiving baskets. Ooh,
6: I love me some bushes baked beans.
4: I'd also like to point out that there are offering boxes set up around the sanctuary and in the lobby. If you're watching online, you can use the online giving option. Now let's quiet our hearts and go into a time of prayer before Pastor Ed brings the message.
6: We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us as a church and as a people, as a nation. We are grateful as we come to that time of year when we remind ourselves to be thankful. Lord, we want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem as you've asked us to. We ask that you would bring peace to that land. And that you would come quickly. Lord, we lift up our nation, all the things going on in the houses of Congress, executive branch. We need you to lead us, Lord. And we, Lord, lift up our nation and our state. And our city, and ask for you to intervene. We look forward to your coming. But until that time, Lord, we ask that you would bring revival. Revival to us as a church, revival to the city, the state, the nation, and the world. Thank you, Lord that it's you that brings that gift. And Lord, we're getting ready to study your word. So we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to teach us. Have your way, Lord. Speak to us. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you that can stand, if you'd like to stand with me, we're in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 18. Dr. Luke writes, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me, or literally sell me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Okay, that's pretty clear. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness, "...and bound by iniquity." Then Simon answered and said, "...Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me." And so when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, "...Arise and go towards the south along the road." which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had, changed, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chair, he was reading Isaiah, the prophet, then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture where he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will describe this generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still in both Philip And the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they had come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. We'll stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you for this story of missions and ask that you would send your spirit to teach us that we might grow and understand and be changed to be more like you. Change us so that when we leave this place this evening, we'll be different. Do that, we ask, in Jesus' name. And all of God's children agreed by saying amen. You may be seated, please. <clears throat> I love the true story of uh, from the old south a Jewish lady was, uh, her name is Helen Rosenberg uh, many years ago was stranded late one night in a southern resort down on the Georgia coast but it was in the 1930's and uh, it was a resort that did not admit Jews the desk clerk looked down at his book as she walked in, and he said, uh, sorry, no room, the hotel is full. And he, the lady said, well, but your sign outside says you have vacancies. And so he kind of stammered a little, and he said, oh, you know that we do not admit Jews. Now, if you'll try the other side of town, I'm sure there's a place there. So Rosenberg stiffened, and she said, I'll have you know, I am a Christian Jew. I believe in Jesus. And the desk clerk looked at her a little askew and said, "Uh, let me give you a little test. How was Jesus born? And she said, well, he was born to a virgin named Mary in a little town called Bethlehem. And the guy said, that's right. And tell me more. And she said, well, he was born in a manger. That's right, said the clerk. And why was he born in a manger? And she said, because a small-minded person like you in the hotel wouldn't give a Jewish lady a room for the night. (laughs) She got a room. (laughs) So we're uh, breaking into this uh, history of the gospel first being taken out into the world. Uh, We uh, have been following a man now named Philip. Now, this is not Philip the Apostle. This is Philip who was one of the seven men chosen to wait on tables at the new fledgling Christian church in Jerusalem. Jesus told him to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit had come, and he did. And and then as the church was growing spectacularly, Um, there started to be some problems. And so they appointed seven men who were well thought of uh, to be deacons, to wait on the widows that were having trouble getting food. So the church took that on. And these men were um, gifted and uh, did a good job. And we followed Stephen, who uh, preached and caused a... A struggle with the courts, the Supreme Court arrested him, and eventually he was stoned to death, we saw in the early part of chapter 7, and then in 8. And now we're following this Philip, and Philip has taken the gospel to the second area Jesus said that the gospel was to go to, first around Judea, Jerusalem, right close, and, and then up to Samaria. And that's where we find uh, this young man. So he's speaking in Samaria and leading many to Christ. Now, Samaria is a prejudiced area, still to this day, but even more so in the first century. They were biased against Jews, and Jews were biased against Samaritans. And I went through the reasoning of that uh, a couple of weeks ago. We won't take all the time, but... Let's just say that it was a like going to the south as this Jewish lady tried in the 1930s. But Philip went up to Samaria and he preached the gospel. And as he was preaching, one of the persons that responded is this guy named Simon. It's where we broke into the story as we started here in chapter 8, verse 18. And Simon gave his heart to the Lord, said he believed, but we're not quite sure because of what we read here this evening. So this biased area uh, has caused uh, the this, this uh, one deacon, Philip, to go, and now we'll see uh, that the apostles are going to go too. So... The overview of this section is that God arranges lives. That God creates in your life and in mine, God incidences, not coincidences. Once you're a believer, then God begins to make these unusual meetings, meeting people and finding yourself in the right place at the right time. And there's a couple of them going on here. One for Simon, the sorcerer. We'll, we'll call him uh, Simon the recovering sorcerer. <laughs> and, and that's verse 18 through 25. And then Philip, again, Philip the deacon, the humble servant who had been waiting on tables, but now he's taking the gospel to a biased area, 26 through 30. And then we're introduced to this eunuch, which is really a fascinating character. He's the treasury secretary of the nation of Ethiopia. And he comes to Jerusalem during the feast, and now he's going back home. And God does a divine appointment, a God incident, so that he and Philip hook up. So that's where we're going, and be thinking about your own God incidences, the way that God, maybe how he brought you here tonight but God has ways of getting us into the right place at the right time. So starting in verse 18, now when Simon saw that the laying on of the apostles' hands, because John and Peter came up there, laid hands on them, that the Holy Spirit was given, Simon said, that's a cool trick, I want that. A, he's called a sorcerer here, which is the, the same word as magi, the three kings that came to Bethlehem. But he's more of one who um, does tricks to impress people and then to gain their confidence. And he's a con man. So he's offering money. And uh, his response is one of those tragic stories in the Scripture wherever the gospel goes out. Whenever God's at work amongst people, Satan is quick to come in and and bring contesting things, counterfeits. So Simon, quote, believed and was baptized, Luke has reported here. For this reason, believe is used in the New Testament to cover a wide range of responses to Jesus. There's no right, R-I-T-E, there's no custom or tradition that saves a person. And so, baptism nor the laying on of hands conveys any status of power in itself. Simon's shallow spiritual perception um, thought these things uh, could be manipulated. So he said give, or literally he says sell, verse 19, me, this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit he wants to control the Holy Spirit and uh, Simon saw the Holy Spirit as a useful power something he could add to his repertoire instead of God who wants to rule his life he wants to rule the Holy Spirit got it exactly backwards now This purchasing of a position in a church in the English language is called simony, S-I-M-O-N-Y, after this event we're reading about. It entered the English language through this story, and uh, according to the dictionary, it says, buying or selling of a position or a privilege in the denomination. Blessings can be bought By giving money is what the concept teaches. So, people misunderstand. There are so-called pastors on TV that say, unless you give money to this ministry, you won't be blessed. (laughs) That that couldn't be any further from the truth. God blesses people's lives who surrender to him. And yes, when we do surrender to him and our heart is changed, then we have a desire to be involved in the work of the Holy Spirit, but you're certainly not giving to get. And if you're stuck on that, uh, you're like Simon here. Blessings cannot be bought. Verse 20, but Peter said, your money perish with you. (laughs) Literally says, may you and your money burn in hell. (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't leave him in any room because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money he wants to possess spiritual power instead of the Holy Spirit possessing his life you have neither part nor portion in this matter verse 21 Peter goes on for your heart is not right in the sight of God the gifts of God are given freely to us by faith Isaiah Fifty six. I love, 55 verse one, excuse me, I love this verse. Ho everyone that thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. That's God's invitation to the world. If you're interested in God doing a work in you, you need to meet these two requirements. You need to be thirsty. Oh, everyone that thirsts, come to the water. And you need to be broke, <laughs> who, who has no money. God's invitation is made to those who think God would be poorer by them. Or to put it the other way around, people that think that they're a blessing to God, God will be really lucky to have them in the kingdom of God, Miss the whole point. People who are needy and know their need, that's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 3. He said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit who know that they come spiritually bankrupt. We don't have anything to offer to God. God doesn't need anything from us because we don't have anything to give him, which is an interesting idea. Simon made the mistake that people still make today. He wanted to rule the Spirit, and he was deceived in thinking that he could buy, that he could give God something that God wanted. And, and even if you're not a Christian sitting here this evening listening to this, think about that a moment. If God is who he says he is, he can create anything, what are you going to buy God off with? <laughs> give him gold? Are you going to give him silver? How about diamonds? <laughs> They're worthless to him because he makes all those things out of nothing. And so it's so far off, it, it's almost laughable but there's a danger for that still happening today. That we can earn God's love. No, no. He loves us already. He does want you to grow in him. He, he does want you to read the word. He does want to hear from you. He wants to have a relationship that, that you're communicating back and forth. But it isn't that when you do that, you buy God. God. And he says, okay, let, now we can get together. So Peter's pretty hard on Simon here, verse 22. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness and pray, God, as perhaps, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Ask God to forgive you. Now, we looked at this word metanuo. It's the Greek word uh, for repent and it means turn around. Be going in one direction, and just turn around and go the other direction. Uh, go backwards. Think differently. Think again. So change your mind and your heart. Reconsider. Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He makes it sound like it's something that's needed quite often. <laughs> And it is in every one of our lives. The Holy Spirit stops us, convicts us, and we go, okay, I need to go the other way. I'm, and let me turn around, Lord. You're right. Second Timothy 2.25. God perhaps will grant them repentance as a gift from God, repentance, so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken into captivity by him to do his will. That's what Satan's looking to do, to bring us into captivity. Well, repent. We don't know if Simon did or not, um, but Peter gives him an important insight. Verse 23. Yet I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. He has the gift of discern. Peter, poisoned by bitterness. You see, Simon evidently has passed. Someone he cared about hurt his feelings. What? How do you get that, Pastor? It says he's in bitterness. Because the book of Hebrews tells us that a root of bitterness goes into our heart when we do not forgive people. And only people you care about can hurt you. Hmm. So Simon has a background of not forgiving people who have hurt his feelings. And uh, he's struggling with forgiving. Maybe you're in that condition. We covered this a couple of weeks ago. It keeps coming up. Not forgiving is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. I don't forgive people because they deserve it. I forgive people Because I need it, because I don't want to get trapped in bitterness and bound, shackled, chained literally by sin. So, I came across this little parable about bitterness. It's about two hermits, Christian hermits, living out in the desert. And they were walking through the countryside going to help another hermit that they knew uh, in a village to bring... In his crops. And so as they walked, they spied an older woman sitting beside a river. There was no bridge there, and she was weeping. And uh, they went up and and asked her help if there was any way that she could be helped. And the hermit said, We could carry you across. She said, I can't get across. I'm not strong enough. He said, Well, there's two of us. What if we locked our hands with each other? And then you sat, and, and then we'll carry across the river. And she said, oh, you won't drop me. And he said, no, no, we'll take you. And I said, okay, thank you. And that's what they did. They, they locked their hands, and she sat down, and then they took her across the river, and they got her to the other side. It was all good. So they started on their way. She went her way, and they went on down the road. And about an hour down the road, uh, one of the hermits says to the other, look at my clothes, I'm a mess. I got all dirty trying to help that little old lady and now my back hurts. I think I threw my back out. She's such a weight. I can feel myself getting stiff. And the other hermit just smiled and kept right on walking. A few more miles, he said, my back is really hurting now. I had to carry that silly old woman. It hurts. And, and I'm... I'm getting into more and more pain. And the other hermit is just smiling. He said, Why are you not complaining? Other hermit says, Your back hurts because you are still carrying the woman. I set her down five miles back. That's what many of us do when we're dealing with People that we care about. Okay, so this is a timely part of this message because here we are heading towards the holidays, and you're probably going to have meals with some of relatives and, you know, Uncle Fred and Aunt Martha that always say the wrong things, and, and you're, <laughs> did I get the name right? Sorry. <laughs> Just a lucky shot. And, uh, and so here's the setup. So we need to let go of things that have been said in the past to get ready for the new set that's coming at Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> oh, Forgiving people is not an option. It'll just drag you down. Do it for yourself, if nothing else. Well, I don't feel like forgiving them. Well, of course you don't. You're human like the rest of us. We don't want to forgive either. But we don't want to get burdened down ourselves. Remember the hermits. Verse 24. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. We can't tell if Simon is really repenting or is trying to avoid difficulties. But he does ask Peter for prayer. So Peter and John continue. Verse 25. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel In many villages of the Samaritans, which is interesting. You remember, I I reminded a few here a couple of weeks ago that it was John and James that wanted to burn down the villages of the Samaritans. And now here, Peter and John are giving salvation away to the Samaritans. They got over it. So, Samaria hears the gospel. Second section. Now Philip, verse 26 An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. You can't tell from the way it's written in the Greek language whether the angel said this is desert or it's just added by Luke. But notice that God has to send an angel. It's not the angel and it's not a definite article. It's not like Michael or Gabriel. This is uh, Harry, the angel. I don't know. <laughs> but this angel uh, speaks to Philip because Philip is locked in. He likes what's happening in Samaria. He doesn't want to leave. And so the angel comes to add some gravitas to the, the situation. And he says, I want you to go south. Now, he's up in Samaria. i um, up got Samaria. There's Samaria in the center of the map, and then the line down at the bottom you'll see leads from Jerusalem down to Gaza. Now that's the same Gaza we've been hearing about in the news for the last month and a half, and uh, the distance from Samaria down to Jerusalem is about forty miles, and the distance from Jerusalem down to Gaza is about sixty-two miles. So it's a hundred miles, more than a hundred miles, that the angel says to Philip, you gotta walk ahead of you. This is gonna be a long walk. It's like God coming to you and saying, I want you to walk to 29 palms. Or how about Baker, California? That's <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere. It's about a hundred miles. And so The unpopular Samaritans, you'd think that he would have easily left them. But Philip gets the word of the Lord. And he's to go to this city, Gaza. Now, a little background on Gaza. Gaza is one of the five Philistine cities. In the book of Judges, if you read about Samson, he went down to these cities. There's a shot of Gaza in the 1800s, 1894, I think the picture says on it. And uh, those are vineyards. Here it is in 1945 when uh, England took it from the Turks. The Turks had invaded uh, Gaza. There's what the beach looked like uh, four or five months ago. A really beautiful area right on the Mediterranean. It has a beautiful port and uh, if you've been watching the news, it's not so beautiful right now. But that's where he's called to go. Now, Ethiopia is on the left-hand side of the Red Sea, and Sinai, and then Israel on the right-hand side. So at that time, Ethiopia went all the way up to the Mediterranean. It, it was a huge, huge country. And a very powerful And uh, the population is almost all black. So, he's going down to Gaza. It's desert. And uh, God asks him to go to a long way away. So, walk, Lord. (laughs) Really, you want me to walk 100 miles? But notice verse 27. He arose, and he went. Now, God has called you and I to be missionaries too. So I want to put you in this story. Put yourself in this story. Philip is you, and God asks you to go somewhere. Two things. You have to be ready to go when, God te- when the Holy Spirit tells you to. If you know it's God. No, no question. You know God said, go and do this. You have to be ready to go. And secondly, you have to be ready to talk. So, you want to serve the Lord? Be ready. And that's what we're doing. We're studying the Bible so you'll become more conversant in it. And uh, if somebody asks you to explain some section of the Bible... That's why we study the Bible, so you'll be ready to help them. So that's what's about to happen. So he arises. He arose, verse 27, and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace the queen. Candace wasn't her first name. It's like uh, Pharaoh is the title for the king in Egypt. So, Candace is the title for the queen, and she was ruling the country evidently because her husband had died, and her son wasn't old enough to, ruin, to rule yet, yeah, excuse me, who had charge of all her treasury. So, this guy is a eunuch, and, but he's uh, the treasurer of a whole nation. And he'd come to Jerusalem, it says, to worship. That's interesting. So... This black man had traveled about two months to get there. And he had gone, and evidently, while he was there, we'll see, he comes back with something. Now, a couple things about eunuchs. Deuteronomy 23 and Leviticus 21 tell us that eunuchs were not allowed in the temple they're seen as a, an example of a sacrifice that was blemished. And so, the physical eunuch uh, was forbidden to go into the temple and to become a Jew. So, he, he was a man who was looking for God, who had gone to Jerusalem knowing there was no chance he was going to be able to become a converted Jew. But he goes... And while he's there, he buys evidently a scroll of Isaiah. Of course, no bound books. Isaiah is uh, 66 chapters long. It's the second longest book in the Old Testament. If you go to Israel, uh, those of you that have been to Israel, uh, you remember when we go into the the museum in Jerusalem, the The scroll of Isaiah from the Dead Sea Scrolls is rolled out. And it's 47 feet long. And it's vellum. It's made from animal skin that have been carefully treated. And and so it's almost the, the width of this stage. So it's a really big scroll. And he's got it in this chariot with him. Verse 28. He was returning from Jerusalem... And sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. He probably purchased the scroll while he was in Jerusalem. It would have been very expensive because it's a very large scroll, and it had to have been all copied by the scribes. We've run into the scribes through all the Gospels. That's what they did. They were producing. They were the printing presses of the time because there weren't any, right? So... This eunuch is searching for spiritual answers. And I think God sees his heart and sent Philip to help him. God always responds to a searching heart. If you seek me, Jesus said, you will find me. So I want to set this up so you see what God had to do to get this eunuch all the way to Jerusalem and then put him in a chariot. Now, when I read this as a new Christian. I thought, well, it's just a single chariot. But he was a treasurer. He's a man of position and wealth. And kind of like the Magi, they didn't come just three kings on three camels. They came with a whole entourage of soldiers and other camels carrying food and everything. So this particular chariot is um, the lead chariot, no doubt but it's surrounded by troops and things. And so he's sitting in this chariot, and it's a big chariot uh, because there's a driver, and he's able to sit down. And then we'll see when uh, Philip came up, he was able to sit down too. I want you to see four questions that happen here. And and add it to your repertoire when you talk to people about God. Let them ask you questions, then you ask them questions back. So, the Spirit says to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. Philip does not have a motorcycle. <laughs> Philip is running. It's like God saying, run, Philip, run. <laughs> and so, Philip is tr- is going for, right, he's running alongside the chariot, and I'm sure the guy in the chariot looks over and goes, (laughs) so he's bold, though, he doesn't hesitate, he goes and he's running, I just love this, he didn't say, run, Lord, really, I'm out here in the desert, it's hot, there's no water, and I'm supposed to chase a guy in a chariot that I don't even know, and they're probably going to shoot me with an arrow, thinking I'm trying to assassinate him or something, but Philip runs, verse 30, and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And, and a lot of early church historians tell us that people read out loud uh, because the texts are hard to read. Uh, the, the type is, is you know, handwritten, real small, but that was the normal way to read. Everybody was reading out loud. And so he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? That's a great way to open up someone who's sitting in a coffee shop reading something like a Bible and say, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand it? So notice that Philip has a passion to serve God. I want you to think about that just a minute with me. He was the kind of guy who said, if I'm going to try this, I may as well do it with all my might. Then I won't have to wonder later what would have happened if I would just given it everything I had. Now that might sound familiar to you because there's a Christian song. A guy's name is Matthew West who wrote his song called The Motions. And it's really this idea. A couple lines from it. Because I don't want to go through the motions, I don't want to go one more day without your all-consuming passion inside of me. I don't want to spend my whole life asking, what if I had given everything instead of going through the motions? And and that's what I want you to see. What does it mean to follow God? Jesus said, take up your cross and follow him. Well, do you do it grumpy and dragging your feet or you do it with everything you've got? Are you all in? As my grandchildren say, get all in. Because when difficult times come, you have to be fully committed or you'll fold. When the storm comes... And the boat is rocking. And no doubt some of you are in the middle of storms right now. Jesus is in the boat. And it may seem like he's asleep, but he's not. you remember that story as the apostles were out on the Sea of Galilee. Is that what your storm feels like? That you're all alone? So, if you really follow God. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow him. Does that mean that every day, if we're hammered, how do you follow God when you have no job, no money, or, or no future? How do you live a life of faith when you're in danger of losing your home or your car is going to be repossessed? What will you do if you get hit with a real big broadside? Will you fold or will you have counted the cost, taken up your cross, and even though you or your mate are going through some really difficult illness, you'll stay strong. So, we can't just say I'm in it for the good times. Because as you've discovered by now, if you've been a believer more than about 12 hours, that there's plenty of difficulties out there. So Philip is all in, and he has this great opening line, do you understand what you're reading? But even a better answer from the guy studying Isaiah, he says, well, how can I? Unless someone guides me. And he asked Philip to come up, and sit with him. So the eunuch knew, knows that he needed guidance. He didn't get it in Jerusalem. He's coming back disappointed. He's still seeking after God, though. He's reading the Bible. I love this guy. He didn't give up seeking God. How could an African be looking for God when there are none no Christians is in his entire country. Well, he, he was looking for the God of the Old Testament. He didn't even know about Jesus. But this is the setup. It takes two months to get to Jerusalem. He's there. God gets him into buying a or having a scroll of Isaiah. And then he decides to go back and he gets almost to Gaza, and it it is desert. I've been there many times along the road. And he's reading this scripture, verse 32. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb, silent before the shear, So he opened not his mouth. So this is Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. It's a setup by God, this is a God incident, this is a God moment, that he's reading in the exact spot, probably the, the clearest two scriptures, Isaiah 53, seven and eight, about Jesus. Uh, Isaiah nine is also a good section, but this one talks about who Jesus is and him paying the price. And so, you see the coordination that God did? This is a God incident that's perfect for this unit. And expect God to do the same thing in your life for other people. Verse 33, and in his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Um... That, that's a direct translation of the Septuagint. It's a little awkward. This is what our version says, um, modern translation. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? He was cut off. He, he didn't live out his life. and From the land of the living, put to death. But now, God cries, for the transgressions of my people, he was smitten. We understand that, that Jesus died for my sins. He, he died for your sins, that he took on the punishment that we deserve. So, Isaiah is uh, an interesting book, this place especially, but let me just tell you something. You can go look at it later In Isaiah 56, there's a section for eunuchs. That may be why he ended up with this book. Because Isaiah 56, verse 4, remember I said eunuchs couldn't become Jews. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuch that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant, even unto them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name that are better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that they shall never be cut off. So there's this promise embedded in this scroll. He's in 53, and he's only three chapters away from hearing this blessing of God. So verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? of himself or some other man. He's confused, but but it's understandable because Jewish experts were divided on the meaning of this passage who don't believe in Jesus, obviously. Some believe that the slaughtered sheep represents the nation of Israel. Others thought Isaiah was referring to himself, the prophet was going to die, and and others that is the Messiah. So the eunuch is trying to understand what this passage is actually describing. And we know it, it's Jesus, the Messiah. Then Philip, it says, opened his mouth. Remember I said you, there's two things about missions work: you gotta go and you gotta be ready to talk. Well, pastor, I don't like to talk to people. Well, God's gonna change you because that's part of the great commission for every one of us. So Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him he didn't preach some denominational line he didn't preach some unusual doctrines he preached about the messiah dying for his sins and any of us can do that philip was prepared he knew the bible he knew his bible he knew he could talk about Jesus and his ministry. And he grew up and lived in Jerusalem, so he could say, well, let me tell you what I saw. I was with Jesus and a bunch of other uh, followers one day, disciples, and and 10 lepers came up, and and everybody else backed out of the way because they didn't want to be touched by the lepers. They they couldn't touch the leper because then they couldn't go to the temple. But Jesus walked over and touched all 10 of them put his hands on him, and he healed him. And the eunuch had to have gone, what? And that's nothing, because we went to a village called Nain, and there was a woman leading a funeral parade, and her son was on the funeral by her. He was dead, and Jesus walked up and touched him, and he sat up. Dead man. He brought back to life. And there was this guy, Jairus, He had a daughter, and she had a fever, and they went and got Jesus, but by the time they got there, the little girl had died. And Jesus went and took her by the hand and brought her back to life. And there was this guy, Lazarus. You can just hear this, can't you? He's just, would that be fun to have been there yourself and be able to tell others of what you saw? But you have seen things, and I have seen things. I wasn't there for this, but I know how to tell people about what God is doing in the world today, right here in this church. Amazing. Amazing. 36. Now they went down the road, and they came to some water. Now, wait a minute. I've been on this road probably 20 times. There's no water. (laughs) There isn't any. And all of a sudden, it's not just a little puddle. You know, this isn't a a gopher hole. Because it says in the next couple of verses that they're going to go down into the water. He's going to baptize him, which means to immerse him in the water. I can't help you there. (laughs) I can tell you today, Gaza is having trouble getting water because they have a desalination plant that the Israelis built for them. That's the only reason there's a city there not because there isn't any natural water supply there. But they went down the road, and they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? I love that. He's ready for it. He wants to go. They're going along in the desert. Then there's water. God is providing again for them. Verse 37, Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This black man's answer is a very profound one. He gets it. He believes Jesus Christ is not just the Messiah. He's the Son of God. Completely gets it right. Romans ten nine: If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, just as if you'd never sinned. And with the mouth... Confession is made unto salvation. He just did it. He made a confession with his mouth. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Err, screeching stop. And both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water. And he baptized. Baptismo in the Greek language. And it means to immerse something completely, like dyeing a piece of wool or something. So there's a lot of water there. Now, when they came up out of the water, <laughs> here's a mind blower, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, Wow, nice exit. I, I want this to happen sometime. You know, next time we go to Ukaipa Lakes to baptize people over to the Dryson Center, and I want to baptize somebody, and then have God catch me away. Or Pastor Greg. It'd be fun to watch Pastor Greg disappear. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded cooler than I meant it. <laughs> uh, so, this uh, caught this word is harpizo in the Greek language. It appears two other times in the Bible, in Second Corinthians twelve three. Um, I knew a man in Christ about fourteen years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knows. Such as one was caught up into the third heaven. Same thing. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up the same way together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. So I, I give you those two scriptures so you can see that Because we're we're all wondering, well, what do you mean caught up? Where did he go? Uh, Did he suddenly disappear out of the water and reappear at the next city? I I can't help you. (laughs) I only know what I read along with you. But I think it'd be cool. I want to try it. In heaven, I understand, we'll all be doing it. So it'll be old hat once we get there. Last verse. But Philip was found. <laughs> what? He was caught up, and now he was found. Azotus. Azotus uh, is the word for Ashdod. Uh, it was in, it's in the news, too. Uh, Ashdod is a port, uh, one of the five Philistine cities, and uh, it's the busiest port for the nation of Israel. Uh, five Philistine cities confederacies they called it uh, Gaza, Ashkelon, Ashdod, this one, Gath, and Ekron. So, Ashdod is where he finds himself, and he and he starts going north. You can look at a map, and uh, and he preaches in all the cities, which means he would have gone. Uh, north, the next city is uh, is Joppa, uh, where Jonah had gone uh, and got into a fish problem. And then uh, Tel Aviv, and then I think we have a map. Or how about the picture of Caesarea? No, yes? Ah. Was that beautiful or what? That's Caesarea Maritime. That's where, that was the main port during the Roman era. That's where Paul went out from and came back in. And uh, it's just stunningly beautiful. So, Caesarea. Uh, It's actually where Philip and his family will be found when we get to Acts 21. Uh, Evidently, he settles down after he gets to Caesarea. Caesarea. Doesn't go flying around anymore. So, how are you and I to live? We're to live missionally, someone said. I'm, 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 I think that's a good word. We're all on a mission for Jesus. And yours may be just to somebody in your neighborhood. Or somebody you work with. Or somebody you go to school with. or Or someone that you go to the gym with or something. So... Verse 27 says, he arose and went. As soon as God pushed him in the direction, he went. He showed up, he went, and he spoke up. He opened up, opened his mouth and spoke. Now, give you a a thumbnail sketch, because we're out of time, uh, of Ethiopia. Ethiopia, uh, this... Treasure went back, and according to Ethiopian tradition, he led the queen to a relationship in Jesus. And shortly after that, um, Bartholomew and Matthew went to Ethiopia. And uh, the Ethiopians claim that the queen of Sheba that visited. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Israel to meet Solomon was in fact um, impregnated by him and all the emperors of Ethiopia have been from the line of Solomon all the way up to when this Ethiopian eunuch comes back. And then Matthew and Bartholomew show up and lead them to the Lord. In the fourth century, we know from the early church fathers that there was a very large church in Ethiopia. And they have do you have those pictures, guys, um, from the baptism? I wanted to show you what the Ethiopian clergy looked like. There they are. Um, Ethiopia is a very thriving, has a very thriving church. It's called an Orthodox Coptic church. And uh, here they are, last time we were in Israel, there was a group from Ethiopia that were, that's the Jordan River, that were being baptized in the Jordan River. So I wanted to show you the continuation of what happened in the first century, what happened maybe even all the way back with Solomon, but from the first century uh, on until today, the church of Ethiopia flourishes. One man, one man in the back of a chariot, Reading Isaiah. Okay, we'll close. Uh, uh, I have a uh, illustration, but it's too long. Nah, it's never too long. You don't have anything to do, do you? Okay, I'll do it quickly. So um, I love the story of a man named Paul Myers. He He has a book called Down and Out from Beverly Hills, Myers was the main host of the radio program uh, Haven of Rest. In fact, it has an office here in Redlands still to this day. But uh, he wrote this book about what happened to him. He's on like hundreds of radio stations all over the world. But uh, early in his life he got into deep trouble and uh, he was in San Diego and uh, he was drunk. On Christmas Eve, so he went to a church and they threw him out because he smelled bad and looked bad. And he began to walk up and down the waterfront of San Diego. And he wrote, quote, "I turned my steps, steps wearily towards my flea bag hotel room. I had been drinking heavily for weeks. My mind was tortured by the thoughts of my wife and four children that I had recently deserted. Just yesterday, it seemed I had been a." radio executive managing the two largest radio stations in Los Angeles. The home we had in Beverly Hills, cars, servants, the things money and social position can provide for a man and his family were now gone, just a memory. I had dragged my family down with me until we were living in a little hovel, and then I deserted them. I had suffered a total nervous breakdown, and completely lost my voice for a year and a half. I had not been able to speak one word aloud. Each effort to talk was just a whisper. The future held no promise. I opened the door of my hotel room and flung myself into a chair in utter despair. My gaze fell upon a Bible, a Gideon's Bible on the floor. In a distracted sort of way, I leaned over, picked it up, and opened it, and started to read. Old familiar words I had learned as a child, words of life, quick and powerful, leaped out of those pages and found their way into my heart. A few hours later, I fell to my knees and I laid the Bible open on the chair. I prayed and made a vow that I would not leave that hotel room even if I died of starvation until I knew that my sins had been forgiven, until I knew that I had passed from death into life. Within a few minutes, a surge of joy suddenly jolted me to tears, and I realized that God's promises that I had been reading were for people even like me. In that dirty hotel room, I found Calvary's cross. I laid my sin burden down. There the old man died, and the new one was born, a new creature in Christ, praise his name. God gave my wife forgiveness towards me. And today we and our four children are back together. Again, the peace that passes understanding loses the taunts, nerves in my throat. (coughs) And I was able to speak and provide for my family. Would you stand please and we'll pray together. Lord, we thank you that You leave the 99 to go and get the one. We thank you, Lord, that you left. Had Philip leave Samaria to go after this one man. Thank you, Lord, that you care enough to chase us all down, even when we fall. (coughs) We're so thankful that you love us as you've given us life. But Lord, we pray for anyone who might be here this evening who has not surrendered to you. Pray that you would give them the grace to do that. Christians, please pray. So I wonder if there's someone here this this evening, maybe you, you came in a long way from God. And every time I mention the word sin, it bothers you. But there is a way out, and that's surrender. Ask Jesus to forgive your sins and take your life. This is the right time. This is the right place. If there's anybody here that needs to do that, here's your opportunity. I won't do anything to embarrass you, but if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know that you're going to spend eternity with God, if you're ready to surrender your life, will you let me know you're ready by looking up at me and raising your hand? I won't embarrass you. I'll just acknowledge your hand. Anybody here that's saying, Pastor, I need God's forgiveness? I need to surrender. To, young lady, yes. God bless you. Anyone over here God is speaking to? Anyone else? Yes. Two of you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Any more? All right. Well, the three of you that raised your hands, would you please pray out loud with the rest of us? We'll all do it with you to make it easy. We're going to ask him to forgive our sins, and he's going to hear and change you right where you are. So everybody, please say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please forgive my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. 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 Those of you that raised your hands, we'd encourage you to go over to these double doors to my right. Some of our elders will be there. We'd love to give you a Bible, pray for you. Anybody that needs prayer, go there. To the rest, God bless you. Give somebody a hug before you go home. Good night.